0: To the Frinzy Halloween Special.
1: (laughs) What is happening? Who's beeping?
2: That was me. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm, Yeah.
1: Stop it. Oh, by the way, on the last episode that I was working on, uh, Jimmy, the whole time you're like clicking a pen or a lighter or something.
2: Yeah, yeah I, was, I heard that and too, like and I I don't know what that on was. Spike waveform
1: throughout the whole thing. You don't know what it was? No, no I, it
2: I I was worried that it was like something with my microphone, because I when we first started recording, I I stopped it after a couple of minutes and re- listened back to hear if there was any clicking, and there wasn't. So I hope. Wait, it, so you weren't just like
1: fiddling with something the whole time? No. He no. wasn't.
3: Because I asked him what? the same question. I yeah. asked him the same question. I was like, were you fucking plugging something? Because I was annoying. He's like, no.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I I put on my quiet pants for this. <laughs> <laughs> I know you to be audio pollution considerate. That's so nice of you. But I was like, what the heck is he doing?
3: Thank you for that.
1: Maybe it was your personal FBI agent. Maybe it was your guardian <gasps> agent. It was a hotline.
3: <laughs> I think I am not alone when I say I love Did you hear a click? Yeah, I put a I put some WD forty on my ch- my chair at the beginning of this episode because it was really
1: <laughs> fucking annoying. really annoying. <laughs> you lubed up your chair? back back from the ad break friend sim is brought to you by sabra hummus and sodastream two proud israeli products supporting the zionist cause
3: thank you for choosing the sodastream source home soda maker in this video we'll show you how to remove
2: palestinians from the gaza strip
3: so jimmy what so Jimmy, what makes you think that uh, aliens are 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 such a big deal all of a sudden? Wait a second, he's heading right for my windshield.
2: Yeah, it's a very interesting, very complex story, really. You know, like I saw Obama talking about it, and um, you know, the Pentagon confirmed some of those things. And whenever you see the public-facing reveal of otherwise like secret information, like it, it makes you wonder, like, why are they doing this now? I've heard that it's because of like you know a lot of pressure on the outside and inside. And it, it's just... I feel like it's kind of just reached a boiling point where, like, enough people have seen it, technology advanced enough, cameras have advanced enough, radar systems are accurate enough that you can't really deny it. So I heard it was, like, under great pressure, and they did it very reluctantly. There wasn't, like, a duplicitous... At least from my under- what I've heard, you know, doing a lot of uh, listening and research of different people and all kinds of things. and.
3: People underestimate the value of putting pressure on a politician mm-hmm. on a fucking hedge fund on SEC, yeah. and everything pressure is the slow and steady fucking pressure actually works and nobody wants to fucking believe that that we've been told since we were kids that like everything has to happen in this big dramatic conflict whoa you know like Thanos comes and we're all fighting at the same time and then he, he gets mm. shot in the face and the, it's <laughs> over we win <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you win the game, it's over, but it's like it's not like that. real life is a constant steady pressure um, for what's for what's good, you know and I think so. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And that's what Tom Delong was always saying. He was saying um, that you know, people from the inside and the outside have been kind of like slowly leaking this information and making trying to make people aware of it in a steady consistent way and it's actually starting to have an effect
1: tom delong of, of blink 182 and angels and airwaves fame right. and uh joe rogan podcast fame he, he started uh the, what is it called? The, to the, the stars the, to the to the stars academy or something mm-hmm. And he's he's running it with a this other guy who's like a twenty year army intelligence officer who did like psyops in Afghanistan and stuff. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yep, that's the one.
1: Yeah. That's the one.
2: Yeah. I remember when that came that's out. I thought it was so kooky. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. You showed me it. I was like,
2: what? Yeah. And I remember kind of laughing at it. And I, you know, I still feel like there's things about it that were kind of funny, the way it was handled, mm-hmm. and like why why Tom DeLonge of all the people, you know being, like, the front-facing <laughs> person of this company, like,
1: mm-hmm.
2: it just made it really easy to, like, laugh at and dismiss. Mm-hmm. And I w- I mean, I did yeah. that, too. And I, I can't remember the-, the full extent of what he claimed about aliens and, like, their interactions and everything, like, the details of it. So yeah. I can't really speak to, you know, how I see it now. I kind of want to go back and revisit some of that and just see what I think now, but...
3: Yeah.
2: I mean, it's, it's crazy, like... As someone, you know, came from the fundamentalist Christian background, I'm very skeptical of things, especially the sort of super beings with almost godlike powers that kind of watch over us, you know? Um, that was one Carl Sagan comparison that he made. Now that, you know, God is dead, we live in tumultuous times. People are eager to have a big brother looking out for us. Right. Right.
1: And that's how that's I where felt. most of my skepticism comes from.
2: That was mm-hmm. my position before the Pentagon confirmed that it was real.
4: It was November two thousand four, and the USS Nimitz carrier strike group was training about one hundred miles southwest of San Diego.
3: There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. Well, if there's like another
5: thing, thing, it's rotating.
0: Imagine a technology that can fly at 13,000 miles an hour, that it can evade radar, and that can fly through air and water and possibly space, and oh, by the way, has no obvious signs of propulsion, no wings, no control surfaces, and yet still can defy the natural effects of Earth's gravity. Did it make a sound? No, it's completely quiet. You know, if going that fast, it's going to sound like boom, 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 boom,
6: boom, 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 boom. It's going to have a whole bunch of sonic booms. No sonic booms.
4: So what you're telling me is that UFOs, unidentified flying objects,
0: are real. Bill, I think we're beyond that already. The government has already stated for the record that they're real. I'm not telling you that. The United States government is telling you that.
2: I mean, I come at this from, like, curiosity's sake. Like I'm very curious about this now. I am still have a skeptical mind, I would say, and I... But now I'm just doing the research. I'm just trying to hear all of the accounts and like see if there's any patterns. See if it, if it holds up.
4: UFOs are real. UFOs are real.
2: Cause then where do you go from there? Like a lot of people say it's not real and just kind of deny it and say, you know, it's a reflection in the window. That's like the best, you know, explanation that one of the most popular debunkers has come up with. Where? Um did you guys watch that 60 minutes interview? Yeah, oh, yeah,
1: I did. The whole thing. I'm not sure which one, which one the Nimitz is though. Um, the the Tic Tac video. But oh, the Tic Tac, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So. I remember Now that one. the. It's like a little
3: white Tic Tac just uh, suddenly zoomed out of place.
1: What um, makes these these encounters declassified um, uh, interesting or novel? Mm-hmm. It's definitely not the um, the visual spectacle, because these are <laughs> there's a very grainy, uh, like heat vision, whatever. You know, I mean, these are like it's at a distance. Not, I'm not that impressed with the visuals. Yeah, because you know? we're, we're used like to like little... tic tac.
3: Yeah, we're used to like movies and shit. But if yeah. you want to get close enough to something like this, you're going to be using. I'm sure Jimmy knows about this. You're using a camera, and cameras are not these perfect, like all omnipotent beings right both of you guys know about this like where sure. we, well, it's not like a movie right it's going to be in the distance like hundreds of meters away and you're going to be trying mm-hmm. to like focus in on it and it's going to look like shit of course
2: and they only release like the radar systems and the metal uh, tracking systems those kinds of really terrible qua- like you said the image quality isn't very astounding or revelatory and they're right. keeping it's that. more the
1: institutional confirmation that that makes this interesting the fact that uh, yeah. authoritative bodies are saying, yep, that's the thing. That's, yeah. that's Tic Tac, space tick Tac. Yeah.
2: But uh, I, I mean,
1: I get it. Like for a lot of people, it's like, oh, this is just
2: one encounter. But you know, to me, I was thinking like, well, if they confirm this one encounter, like how many other are real? Is, is that really the first and only encounter we've had that's legitimate? Absolutely not. As far as the visuals go, like, people on the inside and those pilots talk about how there's much more juicy footage of these ships that they haven't released. And they're trying to still get them to release the up-close photos that are, like, oh, you cool. can tell that it's made of metal and stuff, like...
0: They aren't releasing that yet. Just recently, they acknowledged the fact that there were more videos mm-hmm. in their possession, and they also had some classified briefings that they were not going to to release to the, to the public. It might be something like, okay, we, we have
7: another picture of that same tic tac at the same location, but from a different system. There was a classified system.
3: I feel like that would scare people. That would scare people a little too much. They're, like, kind of taking their time. Like, just, like, w- like one at a time, introducing this information, kind of priming yeah. us first, the movie, so we don't freak out, and, like, just, like, okay, like, accept this, you know? Yeah,
1: I mean... Would it though? Like, do you? Okay, let me let me try something. Because uh-huh. I mean, I've been very surprised with the ability for things to get memory hold. It's almost like the the neuralizer, the Men in Black neuralizer uh-huh. effect, right? Yeah. Um, do you remember? Well, first of all, just this one's not as cool, but didn't mm. they already declassify a bunch of videos during like during like early COVID, early twenty twenty? I remember that happening and everybody just kind of forgot they about it. Maybe they said they were going were, to. Were crazy. Yeah, they, they said
3: they were going to but they didn't.
1: They gave them a
2: year okay. to come okay, up just, with uh, the full report, which is supposed to come out anytime this month, maybe even this week.
1: Right, right. So that's all really this is all part of the same thing. Just confirming. Right. Um, okay, but what I wanted to say, do you, did, do you guys remember uh, maybe maybe this was like two two between 2 to 4 years ago, I can't say for sure. There was a visual anomaly in the sky, I think over California. I remember thousands of people captured it on like HD, like cell phone cameras, iPhone cameras. It was this like energy plume, this blue kind of aurora borealis thing clearly moving across the sky. It was a, one of the wildest things I've ever seen. And, they were, and everybody was like, oh, it's aliens. And then they were like, oh, it's actually SpaceX. Elon Musk was like, no, we're actually testing like a thing. Um, and that was it. Everybody forgot about it, which... I mean, I, I, and I kind of accepted that, too. I was like, okay, it's SpaceX. You remember what I'm talking about?
2: Yeah, I think it's like a SpaceX program called like something Link. or Not Neuralink, but um, another kind of satellite thing. But, yeah, I remember seeing that, and it looked really crazy. And I, yeah, I remember looking it up, and it was a Elon Musk thing. Um, but, I mean... This is far from the first, like, documented mass witnessing. Yeah. Going back in the 50s, like 1952, there was a mass sighting over the Capitol in D.C. In Washington, ghost-like objects dart across the radar
6: screen at the CAA Traffic Control Center at National Airport for several hours, traveling more than 100 miles an hour. Air Force jet fighters spend several hours chasing the objects plotted on the radar scope. General Sanford, Air Force Intelligence Director, confirms that the objects are not secret American weapons and reiterates the Air Force's obligation to investigate. In pursuit of this obligation, since
5: 1947, we have received and analyzed between 1 and 2,000
4: reports that have come to us from all kinds of sources. Oh,
3: shit.
2: For two weekends in a row, you know, full weeks of, of news. All kinds of papers, all kinds of legitimate papers, not just like tabloid fare. It was legitimate news sources all speculating as to these flying objects over the capital. Uh, oh yeah,
3: I heard about this. I heard about this one.
2: At the time, we scrambled jets and our jets couldn't keep up with them. I don't know if you are familiar with Project Blue Book, but that's, an, that's another one of those things. You know, a true government <laughs> program that was started after World War II and ran for over 17 years with the directive of investigating alien phenomenon basically. And uh, this one scientist, uh, his name is Dr. Hynek. He went from, you know, a skeptic to a ufologist. He was the guy who came up with the different tier systems of encounters with aliens, you know? So you have the the encounters of the first kind and second
1: kind and third kind. Oh, Close Encounters of the, a... what's the movie? Wait a second, he's right from my way Close, encounters, Close of encounters of the Third Kind. Of the third kind. Which is direct face-to-face contact.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Or face-to-whatever an alien has, I guess.
2: Yeah. Oh, my God! Yeah, so, um... Can I say
3: one thing really quick? Yeah. Um, earlier you were saying, like, your opinions of, uh, people's perspectives on aliens. Like, oh, it's like this godlike figure that's here to save us to replace the god-is-dead thing. Yeah. And, uh... I want to say my opinion on the matter just because I I wasn't raised with God as like a huge thing in my life. And I always thought that of aliens... When I was a kid, I didn't really have an opinion or perspective or did any research or anything. I hit college and I heard some some data, statistics about how many planets and how many stars there are in the universe that could theoretically hold life. And the the statistical improbability of us being the only ones. In the universe is like is like ridiculous like the more
1: it's the, way, it's... the drake equation yeah
5: this is one of the great questions how many advanced civilizations capable at least of radio astronomy are there in the milky way galaxy let's call the number of such civilizations by the capital letter n it's a number it depends on many things it depends on the total number of stars in the milky way let's call that um, n sub star it depends on the fraction of stars that have planets, let's call that F sub P. It depends on the average number of planets in a given solar system that are ecologically suitable for life, let's call that N sub E. It depends on the fraction of suitable planets in which life actually arises, call that F sub L. It depends on the fraction of inhabited planets on which intelligence emerges, let's call that F sub I and on the fraction of those planets in which the intelligent beings evolve a technical communicative civilization, call that F sub C. Finally, it depends on the fraction of a planet's lifetime that's graced by a technical civilization, call that F sub L.
2: Yeah.
3: So ever since since I heard about the Drake equation, that there's like thousands and thousands of other, you know, beings like us out there and a lot of them have probably been around a lot longer than us and have probably developed space travel and all that stuff that ever since i heard that i yeah it's like it just makes sense to me that aliens are out there and then you wonder like you start to wonder i was like okay so aliens are out there i accept that but what why haven't they showed up on our planet like why haven't they come and talk to us you have to think about that and my conclusion was like one, we're not ready. Like, we're just probably going to be all angry and shit when we see them and just, like, just be assholes to them. And two, um, if you think about, like, my more, recent, my more recent perspective on the matter over the last few months has been, like, think about, like, the way we interact with, like, tribes that still live, like, on an island off the coast of Africa that have, like, never had exposure to the Western world. They right. see, like, little... They see planes flying overhead sometimes, and they're like, what the fuck is that weird-ass metal bird? Yeah. And then they see yeah. us kind of... We, we pull up. It's kind of like the way we view aliens, right? You see this some weird metal bird, and you're like, they're probably doing their own thing. There's probably these, this treaty, kind of like we what well, we have with the UN,
7: mm. a
3: treaty preventing us from fucking up their whole system, their way of life. thing. There's probably an intergalactic right. treaty that says, like, hey, mm-hmm. don't fuck with species that haven't figured this out yet. And, there's, and be, just like it's Occam's Razor like the simplest explanation is the is the oftentimes the correct one yeah um there's it's impossible to enforce this treaty like 100% of the time so we're gonna see like little aliens here and there coming like come checking us out and shit like ooh look at the humans and like oh yeah. fuck they saw us let's book let's book it. <laughs> like, let's get out of here like there's no intergalactic police force <laughs> that's capable of watching every single race you know across the whole galaxy like they just they're just coming to take a look you know at what we got and we we even have,
1: we even have um, like international accords and treaties um, when it comes to our cursory level of interplanetary exploration, uh, not to contaminate the biosphere of another planet. Because you know, say hypothetically, there's little, uh, you know, precursor single cellular life somewhere on Mars. If we introduce um, the Earth's biosphere into Mars, and it somehow um, takes hold where it's able to outcompete that life. We may have cut off the future of an entire distinct biome, which is, you know, an unimaginable loss. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if if we have that in place, it's not unlikely to imagine that some sort of um, higher intelligence, spacefaring intelligence. Uh, Treats us carefully, but in the yeah. in the example you used, you know, you have some like untouched uh, tribe in the Amazon. Um, yeah, occasionally something does slip through. They'll see a plane or, or something like that, and that's some how you get cargo cults.
3: Some some dude on a boat right. will show up with a fucking camera. Right, right, right. What, what did you and say then, about
1: you know, cargo cults? Accidentally, car. It? It's called cargo cults. Like cargo uh, boat when, boat. you know, it. That's the term because it's usually something to do with like uh, intercontinental cargo shipping. Uh, some piece of the modern world gets introduced, and they develop an entire, you know, uh, religious cult around. Uh-huh. And there's all kinds of weird examples of this. Like I wish I knew who exactly it was, like a bunch of headshots of uh, some celebrity. Accidentally got like airdropped onto this Amazonian <laughs> tribe and he started no. worshiping like John, Jeff Goldblum or something um, like
3: that. Right. Oh my um. god! That's hilarious. So it's not unfeasible to think yeah. that they couldn't, that, that, that same thing couldn't be happening to us. Like, to me, that's a more mature explanation than like, it's kind of immature to think like, oh, these people are gonna come down and save us. You know, like, why the fuck? Like, what's their motivation for saving us? You know, obviously we could give them some resources, but it's mm-hmm. uh, probably that's probably not allowed at that at mm-hmm. this point in our history. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, like. Uh, we could, we could probably develop a m- really mutually beneficial trade agreement once we're ready, but, like, if you if honestly just think about how we would react to something like that, I don't think we've been ready. Like, I think most of us would fucking, like... I don't know. Like, they always say, like, we, we would freak out, we wouldn't take it the right way, and we try to, like, depend on them and develop these cults. Like, just bonkers, people. We're just... We're not ready. Like, we're, we're you know... Like... You don't get into a relationship before you're done working on yourself, right? Like it doesn't work out if you're not if you're not like a fully healed, independent individual. That's not Mm -hmm. that's no longer fighting these inter, inter like national wars. um, This turmoil like that we have within ourselves, we wouldn't be ready to start a relationship, a trade relationship with somebody who.
2: Like yeah. an alien race, you know? I kind of feel like the government shouldn't decide for us, though, in a way. And it's, I mean, mm-hmm. I know they don't see it that way. They definitely see it as, like, their responsibility to protect the American people and whatever that means, you know, whether that means, like, protect them from the truth or bodily harm. There's
3: a lot of fear involved in our culture right now. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, in, safe.
2: but I, that's what I mean. Like, I think there's different ways of reaction to this alien stuff. Like, our, our government, the U.S., sees it as a threat.
6: The second and critical question is, do UAPs represent a possible threat to the defence of the realm? Um, we could argue never shown a hostile intent. <laughs> However, Russian aircraft attempting to penetrate the UK air defence region in the Cold War never showed hostile intent, but they certainly represented a threat. Um, Thus, because if you show up and you don't
0: do anything, doesn't mean that you're not.
6: And this is it in a nutshell. Thus, the only logical conclusion that we can come to is that we do not know if UAPs represent a threat to the defense of the realm.
2: I obviously can see the argument that this is just a ploy for more funding for an already overfunded government. You know, military and all and and all those agencies and everything. And I mean. If aliens are real or not real, they're going to use that for their, to their advantage or however it you know, plays out, you know? Like, that's what they're gonna do. They're gonna always try to exploit things and make them scary so that we wanna spend more money, like they've done with terrorists and all kinds of yeah. big baddies. Exactly. Right.
1: There, there always has to be an other.
0: Objects in the
7: skies that we don't know exactly what they are. Anything that enters an airspace that's not supposed to be there is a threat.
2: The more they are seen as a threat, and the more we allow the government to define them that way, like, the more the funding will go the wrong way.
1: Yeah. Mm, so I think yeah. it's not just wishful thinking to like, oh, I
2: hope, I hope, uh, yeah, like, you know, <laughs> I hope that it's here to protect us, but... Or trade with us, or... If they aren't engaging us, like, they're not... <laughs> if they wanted us, if they were a real yeah. threat, like, there's nothing we could do to...
1: Yeah, what the fuck is our... That. Is a, a military funding gonna do to stop... That if if that is uh, if it is a that's aliens. the uh, wrong lesson
2: to learn from this. Yeah, stuff. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Who was um, Stephen Hawking? You remember, um, R. I. P. Yeah. He said something like came out a little like a few years back while he was still alive and said like actually if aliens uh, showed up that would be bad because right. they would be um, colonizers. You know, they'd be here to like take resource, extract resources. Um, yeah but I, I mean, I feel like that's sort of eurocentric thinking to project on beings yes. capable of interstellar travel, you know that they they are just gonna do what what we have done all over the world um, yeah I, I would like to believe that if there is if there are beings like that that you know are capable of 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 interdimensional or interstellar or whatever uh, te- intertemporal travel that they've evolved past you know really needing anything that we have uh, <laughs> to give, and it's just sort of in the, in the collective interest to <coughs> check out the yeah. earth nature mm-hmm. preserve.
2: Yeah, 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 good point. I like how you put I that. It's like, you just look
3: at our track record. We, we treat everything with fear, so it's only logical to assume that we're being overly fearful about this as well.
7: If I saw this solo, I don't know that I would have come back and said anything, because it sounds so crazy when I say it.
8: You understand that reaction? I do. I've had some people tell me, you know, when you say that,
3: you can sound crazy. And I'll be honest. I'm not a UFO guy.
9: Now, this is the part where I have the unsavory, probably unpopular opinion. I don't know what to do with that information. You know what I mean? Like, some people get really obsessed with this and go down the rabbit hole and are, like, all in on it. I don't understand that inclination.
10: That's a really amazing. So has our government ruled out the possibility that it could be extraterrestrial, as far-fetched as that may be?
9: I say that, but then you guys will probably send me 40 HD things. But that's the thing, like, again, you don't know which ones are faked and which ones are real and all that stuff. And I don't care enough to do the research to figure out which ones are real
11: and, and faked and whatever. I'm not a UFO guy.
4: But from what I hear you guys saying, there's something.
11: Yes. Oh,
3: there's,
8: there's definitely something.
2: If you open the door to this alien stuff, there's a lot to, like, where do you begin, you know? That, that's how I felt was, like, where do you even begin researching it? Because there's obviously... Thousands of encounters, thousands of hoaxes. So, like, what do you make of it all? Yeah. After World War II, um, and during World War II and the Korean War in Vietnam, there were uh, tons of UFO sightings. That was kind of the early days of UFO sightings, and so many accounts Mm -hmm. of sightings domestically, but abroad, during all of those uh, battles like in Vietnam and during the cold war where we were moving like fleets of ships with nuclear subs and everything like, you know, uh-huh. um, the, at the height of the cold war and at the height of all these other wars, like you see, you keep seeing these UFOs popping up and that's where they show up in mass. Like they have, they have like, you know, a handful of sightings com- comparatively domestically, but they almost always show up over military operations there's reports of them even flying over top secret nuclear bases that are subterranean, huh, that only like, are known to the military. You know, um, on 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 the ground, there is reports of you know this is documented. It's not like this is hearsay. This is like a documented like military report of you know oh, wow. a light from the UFO over the nuclear arsenal, and it disengages the nukes. It turns them off.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And that also there's also lots of um, accounts of this happening in Russia as well with their nukes.
4: And several of these uh, UFO sightings have been above secret nuclear weapons facilities. Almost every major nuclear power ac- across the globe really has reported and declassified these sightings. Um, you have talked extensively about the connection here, which uh, might be helpful, I think, for some people uh, to hear in advance of my next question, which is... Whether or not the U.S. government has considered utilizing nuclear-powered naval fleets to lure these kinds of things to further study them.
3: Yeah, wasn't there one in either Russia or here where they uh, they looked at the uh, they they armed and like started to detonate a nuke yeah uh, before before yeah like without our control or our consent and then they turned it off and like just you know disarmed it like they're just fucking with it from like, yeah distance.
2: they yeah there was like a there was sort of a countdown and everyone was in panic because it was supposed to be like the day after like everyone was setting up like this uh for this test launch of this nuke and the countdown started while, while while everyone was kind of dressing this fake city with like you know props uh, and, and like mannequins of fake families and and, and mm-hmm. fake houses and started the countdown and then like right before it went off like it just all of it turned off again. Um and it wasn't engaged but like a close call. Jesus
3: Christ. That scared so, the absolute <laughs> shit out of me. <laughs> it's like, those yeah people all had like ten years taken off their life and just sheer fright. <laughs>
2: But it's not only kind of weird, like, like disarming things. Like, there's direct encounters. Like, a whole destroyer of seamen have seen a reported seeing a UFO. There's so many, like, like the ships out at sea and the jets in the sky. There's countless, almost daily encounters with UFOs.
3: Man, I would make a joke right now. About seamen? <laughs> seamen!
2: Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, that's a lot. I know that's a lot to take in. Um, there's also, I mean, there's more interesting patterns and things um, in defying the physics. That one, the 2004 encounter that was on the video, even though that video was really shitty, like, it's like, you know, it's like top of the line, like radar equipment along with another kind of tracking device. Also with the visual that the pilot himself, his account, you know, all three tell the same story of this, Miraculous vehicle
9: would drop from 60,000 feet, is what they're saying, 60 to 80. But that's the scan volume of the Spy One radar. So everybody I've talked to said they were coming from above, they were coming from outer space, dropping down within a second and stopping on a dime and then making the movements Commander Fravers saw, bop, 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 like inside of a glass. Then He said to me in our first talk ever, I'll never forget this, because I'm talking to a fighter pilot and I got to talk fighter pilot. And I'm, I don't, you know. And he says to me, it noticed me. And I go, what do you mean it noticed you? And he says, as I was descending rapidly to engage it, it turned its nose and began to intelligently mirror my movements.
2: And they measured like, you know, how fast it was going. And it was going like, you know, thousands of miles per hour. And it wasn't just the speed, it was the acceleration. It, it, It would accelerate at 3,000 Gs. It would go from like a dead stop to a... Like, That's a lot of Gs. Maximum speed to dead stop again. And do it multiple Jesus. times. Like just darting around. And just for reference, like, you know, the, the human body can only take like, you know, 8 Gs. Oh, and like the new, uh, the new jets that we just came out with, I think the F-31s or something like that, 34s. Um, they're rated at 14 Gs, which is like when their wings are to- like just torn off. Yeah. so this is 3,000 G's like and also they defy the laws of momentum so there's nothing is being expelled out of the back there's no jet fuel there's no you know like
4: Yeah.
2: it's just
1: omnidirectional instant speed That's all right so, cool. so I wanted to uh, make anyway <laughs> I mean the I like the the, uh, the um, benevolent disarming aliens yeah uh, I mean that paints sort of a romantic picture of like uh, non-interventionalist uh, beings you know stopping us from I- I- occasionally stopping us from uh, destroying ourselves you know all watched over by aliens of loving grace but um, yeah uh, so when I when I was looking through the links and and reading about this i'm I'm using a a framework that I've come to enjoy um, mm-hmm. that uh you uh, what Oliver you said you brought up Occam's razor earlier right so what I've been doing is is Occam's razor and Occam's laser (laughs) so Occam's razor you start out you know what's the most you're right I mean uh, you know what Occam's razor is yeah what's the simplest explanation what's the most yeah um and then after that for dessert you just kind of like free associate about Hmm. what whatever what's the most juicy tinfoil hat thing so um I mean, maybe we can I mean, like okay. s- just kind of go through first, and, and like what what yeah. is what was actually declassified in basic terms. Um, what, is it, what is it? What are the most simple explanations? Um, in this in this specific instance, it was what the two videos, uh-huh. the, the Tic Tac, and and the, what was the other one called? The so-called Tic Tac incident and the Gimbal. <laughs> Great, Omaha,
12: kids. For two long hours on the night of July 15, 2019, the crew of the USS Omaha detected on multiple sensor systems unknown objects that surrounded the ship as it moved through ocean waters west of San Diego. One of the objects, a self-illuminated sphere at least six feet in diameter, flew alongside the Omaha for an extended period and was observed through a thermal sensor in the ship's combat center. The ships that were under observation by the unknowns were unable to track where they came from or where they disappeared to. The Omaha sphere appears to have vanished into the ocean. Oh, oh, splashed. Splashed. At that point, it also vanished from all sensors.
1: So, that, so that's what yeah. I read is that all of these encounters took place in U.S. airspace, first of all. Uh, it was mm-hmm. like Virginia, Florida, and California, near large military bases, uh-huh. and several, San Diego. In, in particular, right, San, San Diego. Uh-huh. Um, and a bunch of them, in particular, were were near like a drone development and testing facility. I don't know if that was San Diego or Florida. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if that's not to say that there aren't like civilian encounters reported. This is this is leaks from what's gone up official channels. But also, like, that's you know important to keep in mind. In this
2: case, like, like the three thousand Gs, like no no drone can fly that fast.
1: I mean, what's the most high-tech uh, military craft you can think of off the top of your head that, like, the U.S. has?
2: Like a stealth jet right, or whatever, the, yeah. The
1: stealth, the the B two uh-huh. stealth bomber. That it's like the cool triangle wing thing. But that was that was first flown like within a month of me being born in 1989. Right. Um, and it wasn't revealed to the public until almost a decade later. So you got to figure we have like bigger and better shit now that the public isn't privy to. Um,
2: yeah, but I mean, like, why would the Pentagon release it and, click, and say it's an unidentified object? They would know what it is. They, you know, they confirmed that it, they don't know what it is.
4: Until finally, frustrated, he quit the Pentagon in 2017.
7: I tried to help my colleague, Lou Elizondo, elevate the issue in the department and actually get it to the Secretary of Defense.
4: Christopher Mellon served as Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence for Presidents Clinton and George W. Bush, and had access to top-secret government programs.
7: So it's not us, that's one thing we know. We know that. I could say that with a very high degree of confidence, in part because of the positions I held in the department, and I know the process.
1: And then also, like, if — so, so like, first level Occam's razor for me is it's just our technology, you know? I mean. Yeah, drone drone technology has been the the, like the future theater of war for a while, so that's where all the development is. It's
2: not it's not uh, not, yeah, like it's going underwater though. It went from in the air. It's transmedium. Right. Which is way beyond drone technology.
1: I mean that that we know of. Obviously unmanned vehicles can sustain higher Gs than manned vehicles. Three thousand G's, that's that sounds crazy. I mean I don't even know how much that is, but that sounds like a, a lot.
11: Mm-hmm. What are some other arguments against them being drones? I mean, first, their their accelerations that we estimated are are way off the charts. You, um, people can't handle much more than you know than ten, ten to fifteen um, G's for any period of time. Um, some missile frames can handle handle higher accelerations. Um, they can maneuver up to about 30 G's of acceleration and some can withstand, um, structurally withstand up to about 60 G's. Um, so most of our equipment can't handle, our equipment can't handle more than hundred G's. And, um, And that's and in one direction, let alone stopping and then turning around. So many G's here and then so many G's again. So they're doing it over and over again. It's, it's insane. And what are the G's
13: associated with these crafts?
11: Well, the the highest one we estimated was about 5,700 G's. Um, That was the one picked up on radar by um, Senior Chief Kevin Day while he was on the USS Princeton with the Nimitz Carrier Group. That's the one that drops from 28,000 feet to sea level in 0.78 seconds. So you're looking at over 5,000 G's of acceleration.
1: Um, so then, if, I mean, why, if it was, if it was uh, US technology, why right. say, because I'm, I'm in the 60 Minutes piece, that guy Christopher Mellon, uh-huh. uh, he was the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence under Bush and Clinton. Yeah. He specifically said, it's not us. It's not, so like, what would be, if it was us, what would be the strategic or domestic advantage to saying that it's not us, because that kind of runs counter to you know, like the Cold War ap- uh, era approach was like all bravado and, and impetus to instill national confidence. You know, we're the best. Um, so, what would be the reason to say? But you know, now we're we're living in an age of nonlinear warfare. So, like, what would be the advantage of of like pretending that something isn't technology that we actually have?
3: Like surprise value. You could, you have a surprise factor.
1: Sure, sure. But then, just don't even release it if you if you want to keep yeah. it classified. Why declassify why it?
2: Why make? I mean, and it's not like it's going to be any other military. Like we we spend more than like the next you know several combined, like
1: several countries. Combined. Right, right. That's the other thing. Because if it's like China, or I mean, Russia has the GDP of Florida. I, I don't. But like, say China, maybe probably has some some wild stuff. But with with everything we spend. Uh, you know our our military budget. If these other uh, if these other world world superpowers are developing technology that's like generations ahead of ours, I mean that doesn't that doesn't make me feel like we should allocate more spending to the military. No. What the hell are they doing with it? I mean, the military is such a a
2: wasteful operation. Like it's so so crazy. Um, we talked about that it before. Is, yeah. Yeah. Um, been, it's been basically hollowed out and privatized, uh, just a lot of uh, mm-hmm. contracts. Right. But, I mean, like, even, like, scientists, like, the the top scientists don't have any explanations for it, you know? Like, h- how is it beyond explanations in physics and everything? Like, it, um, it's, yeah. if it was, like, a, in theory, you know, theoretically speaking, we could do this or blah, blah, blah. Like, and then, oh, all of a sudden you're seeing that theory in action. That would be one thing, but this is like not even like theoretically possible, from what we know That's now. A
3: good point. Yeah, it's right. like if you're talking about Occam's Razor in this situation, based on what I've said about like you know the probability of other aliens existing and how they would probably interact with other people, with 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 humans, this seems like the most the most simplest explanation might actually be aliens. <laughs> it's actually yeah. simpler than trying to talk about it, trying to talk about a, a government that can that can somehow create things like thousands of years beyond our means that we've ever created before. To yeah. me that sounds like a conspiracy theory when not what you're talking about, Dan, but when like when, t- when uh, people talk about how like the iPhone is uh, uh, like I don't know this technology that we have is being released slowly but the government is actually like decades ahead or you know yeah multiple i don't know it's like to me that seems a lot harder to keep under wraps than just
1: yeah aliens the future's already here it's just not evenly distributed yet that's uh Mm. uh, what's his name who's this? the fucking cypher the cyberpunk guy hang on i got it it's william gibson yeah gibson okay yeah Um, I mean yeah it's not like that's not even a secret that's already known it's already known like you know you talk about last time even medical technology like the football player that gets flown to you know an island and gets stem cell therapy that nobody else has access to it's it's pretty pretty taken for granted that there are technologies that either are not um, either are not like uh, feasible to scale uh, to distribute or for whatever reason it's just not are intentionally withheld because it's not expedient to give people access to them.
3: That's true for like for technologies that are like maybe a, a few years or a decade off for the general public, but for for stuff that's you know I don't know that's like you know thousands of years in the future, or hundreds of years in the future, it's a little different. I mean, because some you got to think about what. What, what would somebody do with that power? They have that access to that type of power. Don't you think right. they would use it to, like, control the... Control... You know, take over the government or take over the world? Like, with that power? Humans are greedy.
1: But it, what if it already is the government? What, I mean... What is it, what is taking over the government look like in this case?
3: What? You don't think... Like, you think that they already have control over the whole world?
1: Well, we're talking about something that's owned and operated by the government. Or, um, I mean, you know, it's all being contracted out to the private sector, What, you know, so then you're talking about like a, uh, a private minority that has technological superiority, air superiority um, at the behest of the U.S.
0: government.
6: And civilians, including commercial airline pilots, are also seeing it
0: something go right over the top of us.
6: Here's a rendering of what an American Airlines pilot reported.
0: I hate to say it, this, looked like a long cylindrical object. It almost looked like a cruise missile type of thing moving really fast. that went right over the top of us.
6: Well, Senator Marco Rubio, who chairs the Senate Intelligence Committee and others in Congress have been sounding alarms. We don't know who they are. We don't know what it is. It isn't ours. And now NASA Administrator Bill Nelson says our space agency is trying to figure it out. As a former member of the Armed Services Committee and now head of NASA, few have more insight on the eyewitness accounts than Nelson.
8: We are doing a lot. As a matter of fact, uh, I have seen and been briefed on uh, those films that you have seen. Uh, I have talked to those Navy pilots.
6: They said it was no optical illusion or radio frequency blip.
8: Uh, They followed it, and then suddenly it would move. Uh, in a direction uh, uh, faster than anything that they had ever seen. So there is a phenom there. What is it? So what I did when I got into NASA a month ago, I asked our chief scientists and the science directorate if they would look at it from a matter of science. The Navy was having problems with these
11: things, right? But they're not able to discuss you know, these objects and have it taken seriously. So now, now what do you do? Um, in 2015, mm. for example, the, they were having near da- nearly daily encounters with UFOs. Um, and so you've got pilots who are not trained for these types of encounters. Some of these were happening in the Persian Gulf area while they were operating, you know, so that's a, you've got a military campaign going on. These guys are going on bombing runs on in Syria, and they've got to fly through UFOs be, over the Persian Gulf and then go to Syria and then conduct their military operations and come back. And that's a huge hazard. I mean, you don't, you don't need a pilot shaken, you know, from a UFO encounter and then go into a war zone. That's mm-hmm. extremely dangerous. And so that's one reason why when people say, oh, they're just drones and the U.S. is just testing them. No, you're going to test them by putting pilots in danger in a war zone. Um, that's not going to happen.
3: I don't know. I uh, only one person has to get this techno, like, their hands on this technology to start a coup, if it's that far advanced.
0: Right? I think, like,
3: any researcher who's involved in that would uh, probably find some kind of way to utilize it for their own benefit if it was that far advanced. Okay.
1: Um, So then... I mean the other, the other thing is like well what if I mean what if none of this actually even happened right like these are the accounts of what of um, oh. mi- military personnel oh like, yeah sure medium medium tier like how how verifiable are the claims i mean and and the claims aren't that they saw aliens the claims are just they saw something that they can't explain but like uh
8: And what do
10: you think it is? I mean, when you say that something can travel at 13,000, you know, miles per hour,
8: you don't see any form of propulsion, it can go up and down, it defies the laws of technology and gravity as we know it, what do you think it is?
0: Well, uh, to be completely honest, it's it's too early for for us to make any type of conclusion.
8: Uh, Lastly, I would say that uh, a lot of people um, put a lot of words into my mouth I never said the word aliens.
4: Seemingly out of this world. Did the thought of UFO enter your minds?
10: It was unidentified, and that's why it was so unsettling to us, because we weren't expecting it, because we couldn't classify it. But what I want to be really careful of here is that we um, don't jump to conclusions, right? That we don't sensationalize this or... Little green men? Uh, Yeah, little green men men. or extraterrestrial.
3: What if it's explainable?
1: Yeah, what if it's explainable or what if it's like, I mean, Aliens is a pretty big leap. What if it's, what would what would be the reason to um, just maybe leak this now, you know, to distract from something else or to control the conversation? You know, they did that with the, the Podesta leaks. You remember the Podesta leaks where the whole like uh, Pizzagate thing came from and then QAnon. Uh-huh. Um, they were like, look at this UFO stuff, but then like didn't, you know took the attention away from like anything about Libya that was in there or the rest of the Mm -hmm. uh, hot dog pizza related stuff. Um, Yeah.
3: Mm -hmm. I believe that's very possible.
1: We've been following this for a while and, you know, we we tend to joke around
12: with this story, but this is actually a very serious story. And, you know, to me, it continues to shock (laughs) me that it's not getting more press.
1: We're not willing to actually look at the problem in the face.
5: Uh, we're we're happy to just ignore the fact that these are out there watching us every day.
4: You know how this sounds. It sounds nutty, wacky. Look.
3: Hmm. See, what strikes me about this paper is going through it, it, the mathematics isn't beyond high school or beyond first year, that's for sure. And I'm right. wondering, why is it, why hasn't an analysis like this, which seems like anyone could have done it, why hasn't it been done before?
11: Is um, it simply I the think,
3: stigma against analyzing I think alien? that's
11: the problem. I mean, you've got, you've got numerous capable physicists who have commented on these things, and you've got enough information to basically to do a back-of-the-envelope estimation of the acceleration, and they're more willing to say, well, it's probably an atmospheric effect. Who knows? Who knows what it could be? That's usually the response you get from a professional physicist.
1: That's and that's not, to say, that's not to say that what they leaked was fabricated, but it's like why now, right?
3: Well, you, also you said it was like you, pressure
1: from the inside.
2: There have yeah, been other like GameStop. pressure from like you know Harry Reid, mm-hmm. Senate, right? The, the Senate, Senate Majority, majority leader. leader. Yeah, he he's been pushing for alien declassification for a long time publicly. I mean, he's uh, from Nevada, so you, you can only imagine like, Area 51, S4, those are both there.
4: Good morning, Senator Reed. How are you?
8: I'm doing fine. I was the first to get involved in this. And in much to the consternation of my staff, they told me stay the hell away from this. It's not anything that's going to help you.
4: So at the time, it sounds like your political advisors thought that this could be damaging politically. In other words, if you're associated with this, People will think Harry Reid has lost it.
8: It's not just a bunch of uh, weirdos that are thinking about this. I think it's people who are really curious. The more time we spend on this, the more people are beginning to understand. Are
4: you hopeful that some of these very secretive agencies will be willing to, to share more of what they're seeing, what they're, what they're gathering?
8: What we have to do is understand that there are different levels of transparency. I think the administration has an obligation to make sure that what information they have that uh, is important to the security of our country, that they make sure members of Congress know what's going on.
2: There have been other accounts of public officials in investigating the UFO thing. It was, it was uh, popular enough <laughs> to spawn two Spielberg movies. I mean, it was obviously in the cultural zeitgeist, and um,
3: and Sarah would say that that's like priming, to like to get us ready for that kind of stuff. A lot of movies like this are our way of self self priming, or the government's intentional, conscious manipulation priming to get us ready for these types of things to be introduced into our lives.
2: Yeah, I I I mean, in some ways it feels like it could be priming. In some ways it feels like it could be. Um, forced out. It's sort of like, you know, you're prying information out, you're prying progress, because they're trying to hide it. Because, you know, it's a pretty big blow to the ego. Like The whole Judeo-Christian values are going to be severely challenged if it's real. Think of all of the institutions that could be affected by this. If it is aliens, if it is like a, a technology beyond our understanding, that would really yeah. reshuffle the deck. And I, I mean, how many times... In life, are we afforded like opportunities to really reshuffle the deck, you know? And you could say that's a really big incentive for the people who have been in power for so long to keep this under wraps, because they don't want—they want to stay in power. They want to keep things the same. Sure. Um, status quo. Yeah. That—that
1: yeah. that makes sense in terms of why, yeah, why those in power would want to cover up new information like that. But in terms of the general public, I think that the desire for a Deus ex machina outweighs like the desire for um, you know, things to stay they are the way they are. Um Yeah, that's why we're winning. I mean we're we're so like for the majority of people the any hope for the future is 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 quite grim, you know. So the idea yeah. that like uh Aliens could show up and solve climate change and, you know. Yeah, I
2: mean, I, I don't I don't doubt the juiciness. Right I, I see the juiciness of it. It's, it's a little too convenient, you know, conspiratorial. Yeah. I mean, there haven't been many mm-hmm. accounts of them solving global warming or whatever. It's not like it's been that direct. Like, it could be, like, if you do buy all of the military intervention things, it could be, like, they're just protecting an asset. You know, that could be, like, a resource. They, they see us as a resource. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm and they don't want us fucking up whatever they want from us or whatever they're going to extract in the future. Yeah.
1: A
3: potential trade partner. Like, we're, <laughs> always, we're always getting involved in, like, people's Or an affairs. exploitable
1: like, workforce. Yeah.
3: We're always getting involved, in, yeah, in, like, in like third-world countries' affairs. Like, when I mean, we feel yes. like they're being too destabilized or, you know, getting exploited by, you know, drug cartels or whatever, we feel the need to step in and kind of help out. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, it's probably similar. How they feel. So I
1: guess their interests didn't extend to uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Oh my
2: God! Well, at, right after that is when they started becoming very frequent. They're yeah. Oh was, really? Yeah, right after World War Two is it, when the U.S. government had to start Project Blue Book because they were having so many encounters. Oh shit. And it was interesting with Project Blue Book because, I mean, they made it into a couple different shows. There was one in the '70s, going over it, and there's one like that just came out like last year, two years ago. It's like a couple seasons in, and they basically each episode is just one file from Project Blue Book itself, dramatized. It's it's well done though. It has uh, the guy who plays Littlefinger in Game of Thrones, and uh, one of the British vampires from Vampire Diaries. It's like a two-hander, so it's like the, the, there are these two, like one of them is the pilot, the, yes, the vampire is the pilot. Littlefinger is Dr. Hynek, um, mm-hmm. and they are teaming up to investigate these encounters. And at first, they're, you know, like really skeptical, and they do, in fact, you know, debunk many of them. Some of them are actual hoaxes. They were like competitions on the radio for like, if, if you provide proof of alien contact, we'll give you $100,000. Yeah, and that was a real life thing where like someone, you know, created these hoaxes and but they include the hoaxes as well in the show. So you never really know like it's it's well made like as a, you know, as far as like a piece of fiction where each episode you really don't know what it, what it could be. But the overall impression after you watch, you know, a couple of seasons of that is like there's a lot of really big questions out there, you know, and they were they stay pretty true to the, the files. That Project Blue book had the details of, you know, there wasn't much embellishment. They just, you know, combined certain characters, but the overall stories were, you know, very true to what was accounted and recorded. Worth watching if you if you guys wanted to, yeah, you know, go down the rabbit hole. I would say that one He's and like the Bob La- the Bob Lazar one is also a recent documentary that's very interesting too. Dude.
3: Right when you said that, Jimmy? Yeah. You said go down the rabbit hole? The lightning yeah. right next to my room struck. Woo! It was mm-hmm. so cool. It's ball lightning. You that want to go the down the rabbit hole?
1: hole. That's, that's aliens telling you to watch uh, Netflix. What's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. on Netflix? Uh, that I one's think on so. Amazon is, Prime. Is that
2: the one? Okay.
1: There's a the Lazar on one on Netflix too.
2: One. Yeah, Bob Lazar's on Netflix. Yeah. Um, okay. Aliens and UFOs, is the full name of uh, the documentary on Netflix, but that one that one's really maybe that's interesting. why they
3: stopped. Maybe, maybe that's why they stopped firing so many nuclear weapons, is because mm-hmm. they they got all these visits all of a sudden. I mean, the the war was over, but also, like since yeah. then we haven't really fired it, and it's because it might be partially because we were being like, you know, observed like.
2: Yeah, it sort of I'm altered us psychologically. Down. Yeah, I agree.
1: That's interesting that it um that it the frequency of the occurrences increased like after World War II. Um, I guess the Occam's laser explanation that my brain goes to is like as soon as uh, as soon as um, n- uh, nuclear detonation was detectable, it was like oh let's. We got to go check out what's going on on this planet or interfere. But yeah, I we, mean, do the then fact, uh, we
3: do the same fucking thing, like Iran, and, right? And uh, we, 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 and we mass don't really give a shit about a country. Yeah, we don't give a shit about a country until it has nuclear weapons. And then we're like, oh shit, now it's all, yeah, all of a sudden right. on the news.
1: Right. But then also, you got to keep in mind that what came after World War II, you know, that was the space race. And that caused an explosion of curiosity with the subject of outer space. Media mm-hmm. started to depict, you know, all, uh, new genres, yeah. new whole new ideas. You know, it was a paradigm shift. Um, so it's not; it wouldn't be that surprising that um, that would also show up in this sort of uh, fantasies and, you know, right. The, um, uh, the, mm-hmm. the collective imagination, regardless.
2: True. There were so many true, things true. That, skew- that I my, do think it's Fueled my skepticism that way mm-hmm. But now I feel I feel You know I don't know I feel pretty convinced that there's A lot of unanswered questions out there And I think like The yeah. technology is It's some kind of new physics <laughs> You know It's um Something else
1: Yeah
3: I will admit that like well, I think it. I think it has to be both. I think we should be able to admit that it's possible that it's both. Yeah. Like we don't have to. It can be. There can be plenty of like false reports out there and real reports, yeah. and uh, that doesn't have to. Uh, it's probably more nuanced than that. Like every other fucking thing in the world, it's probably more nuanced. Like I, I admit, I haven't really done the research on all this. You know. Um. Uh. I, I did at one point, like, do some research about it. You know, I've gone down some little rabbit holes here. But that was, like, years ago. I haven't really gone down a rabbit hole recently. Um, except for with the Tom DeLonge thing. And I was convinced. Each time I go down one of these rabbit holes, I come out convinced. But I do, I am, I can be kind of impressionable sometimes. So I take that into account. But, like, my logic tells me that it's happening, you know.
2: I feel like I could be, you know, yeah. skeptical to a fault, you know, that's, that's kind of my approach oh, okay. to things because I grew up in a bubble, a fundamentalist bubble. But if you watch like the Bob Lazar documentary, one of the things that really like stuck out to me is like very intriguing and thought provoking was the fact that Bob Lazar was not really like all about the spotlight. He didn't really enjoy it. There's other people in the documentary. There's like other kinds of hoax and con artist people. There's a guy who claimed he started Motorola and and invented the mullet and all kinds of really funny things that he obviously didn't. You know, he also says that he he saw UFOs. And and you can tell he kind of relishes the attention. Like there's there's that kind of personality type. And that's kind of who I thought Bob Lazar was. The guy who just outside the limits of Las Vegas, just kind of drunk on the fumes (laughs) of Mm -hmm. Vegas Mm -hmm. and the, the fantasy of it and the attention of it. But you can tell like he's not interested in the spotlight. He's very uncomfortable whenever he's on camera, he can hardly finish a thought.
9: The association between this idea of extraterrestrial technology and Area 51, all of that is because George Knapp broke this story about a man named Bob Lazar. So you're right. Bob Lazar came forward on the news in Las Vegas and said, hey, he didn't give his name, He pretended his name was his name of his boss, a guy named Dennis, right? Yeah. But he he came forward on the news in silhouette, so you couldn't see his face. And he says, I have been reverse engineering or attempting to, I was hired to reverse engineer extraterrestrial spacecraft at a sub base of Area 51 called Site 4. And we've been trying. We've made no progress. But this is important for the American public and the scientific community. It's a crime not to let people know about this. Now, why did Bob Lazar do this? Bob Lazar did this in Silhouette because he was afraid for his life. Again, whether you believe that or not, I know that to be true. He's I have talked to everybody involved.
2: As as time has gone on, he hasn't really, like, looked to be in the spotlight at all. He's just trying to live his life. He's just kind of a dork who just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Or the right place at the right time, depending on how you look at it. And... Uh see what he saw and the documentary confirms much of what he says it, his story has stayed very consistent he hasn't changed like the details of it his account
1: mm-hmm.
2: there are records uh, that's that-
3: one thing i remember noticing as well i noticed that as well like people uh in a lot of the more believable stories yeah Like they, they have a surprising amount of consistency like the, the type that you when you Like as a prosecutor we're looking for a preponderance of evidence right and like as a prosecutor this is what they look for That like that's like a a dead giveaway that like this person's not lying, you know
2: Yeah, and there's like that whole idea of like, you know eyewitness testimony and how credible is it? And and, you know in some in some cases it's very uncredible, you know, like it can be very yeah Like the whole uh, gorilla dancing across the video thing in the right where you don't even notice Mm -hmm. When when you're counting basketball passes or whatever in that cycle, you know psych 101 video,
1: love that um, one. Eyewitness testimony
2: can yeah can can miss huge things you know, but then there's also like a different kind when your fight or flight is engaged you know and your blood starts pumping and your memory of, of those encounters where you're really scared is actually very accurate and very trustworthy a, a source of you know information like your oh like you know someone who gets really. Raped, can, can almost always picture the details of the buttons of the rapist and like the smell of him and like there's so many yeah you know it, it makes sense if we're evolved to avoid problems and threats and if we have a close encounter with a threat uh, the, the account is going to be kept in a very detailed mm-hmm. way in our minds so that we can avoid that threat in the future and tell stories about it so like, and you can tell he, he was scared. He was, he didn't really
9: know what he was getting into. But mm. but I, we know for sure that people were following him, that they were terrorizing him. George Knapp has spoken to some of the people who were hired to follow him. I've spoken with the man who did Bob Lazar's security clearance.
2: Growing up, he would put, you know, rocket engines on his bicycles. There's like footage of him as a kid. He's just like one of those like mm. savant, kind of autistic, maybe... Not super socially, like, uh, uh, you know, adept, but like someone who's also brilliant with science. And you could see, like, he might be someone that could get a job in the government. As he said in his story, he he says that he applied for a government job, ended up going out to New Mexico and being let in on these these crashed flying saucers and, and reverse engineering the technology. That was what he was assigned to do.
3: I mean, when 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 I watch your when we watch your movie, it's quite obvious
6: and uh, that 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 he can actually build some amazing stuff. That he's very very smart. That
3: uh, you know, and yes, well, you said it too. He kind of he comes across as a scientist. Um, he seems to uh, to know what he's what what he's doing, what he's talking about. And
9: let me let me be clear. He is a scientist. Yeah. He is a physicist. I spoke with colleagues of his. Who worked at Los Alamos with him at the Maison Particle Accelerator. They acknowledged that Balbazar was a physicist at Los Alamos, that he was hired in that capacity, and that they worked with him. Mm-hmm. Now one of those people went on record with
2: So they went over what they knew about it and what they did what they didn't know, what they were trying to still figure out. And he goes into pretty significant detail over the physics of how it how the craft moves and everything. Mm -hmm. and he has he has like really detailed talks too even like the documentary goes into some detail but he's gone into even greater detail like in a lecture series okay yeah i want to check this out. basically it's like a gravity amplifier that you can direct whichever way you want to go if you watch the documentary there's like visual aids that he you know he kind of draws it out it's pretty it's pretty intuitive in a way like once you kind of understand understand it Mm And he just kind of gives his full account. And I feel like a, a redemption moment for Bob Lazar after all these years.
9: But but here's the deal. Bob Lazar is controversial. He came forward, he told this story. Now, there are arguments against him where people try to assassinate his character, assassinate his credibility, say he didn't go to the schools he says he didn't go to. They try to find every way to dismiss his message by dehumanizing him or making it seem like he's lying there are arguments on both sides and i looked at all of them i believe bob lazar
2: decades of being like ridiculed because a lot of times people would point to the fact that caltech had no records of him and they were like oh he lied about that Mm -hmm. but there was other evidence that came out other people who drove him to caltech every day he shared a ride with someone who vouched for him he also you know, there were professors there who vouched for him, and he was in the freaking, like, yearbook, like, like his, in, like, the name, in, like, the yeah. phone book. Like, his uh, uh, name was in there. That's weird. So, clearly, he was there, and mm-hmm. at, this was after he came out and was making it a, a public statement about it. Because, mm-hmm. he, he, you know, he basically came out and made a statement because he was scared for his life. He thought he was just going to get killed. Oh. And so he was like, well, I feel like this is my only way of staying safe if I go out and, you know, and uh, like, it's less likely that I'll be killed. Yeah. Yet.
3: Smart. Think about how many people don't do that and are killed. <laughs> like, nobody yeah. knows. Nobody knows what the fuck happened. Just some guy died,
2: right? Well, the fact his record was erased from Caltech is really telling. Yeah. Because there is, and there's enough proof that he went there, and yeah. Also, the this FBI probably takes a lot of guts to
3: come out to the public.
2: During the the documentary, there was a a part where they begin to discuss really really sensitive information about how Bob Lazar potentially smuggled out a piece of the engine this element 115 it's like a stabilized version uh-huh. of 115 which was what was used in the to propel the craft what yeah so he says that he uh, potentially like he was going to tell the documentarian about this piece but he he's he's been raided like his office has been raided by the FBI multiple times and so he's scared to hmm. To speak on it and as they were shooting this like the the documentarian was trying to like ease his fears and they went out into the woods in the middle of nowhere and the documentarian had an idea he was like why don't I record you you know telling me about this account of the element 115 you smuggled out and if you decide you don't want the footage I'll delete it you know you can you can tell me whether or not to whether or not you're comfortable sharing it or not and so he records him giving this account, but in the documentary, it's fast-forwarded through. And basically, the next day, his office was raided by the FBI. They somehow were able to listen in on his conversation. They claimed it was for some other bogus reason. Because he, he, he supplies metals to manufacturing companies. That's what he does like, yeah. in his day job. And so they claimed it was some issue with his day job. And... I mean, the, the documentarian, oh, like, but has the it timing on was... the very next day, yeah, like, it was, like, yeah. clear. And they raided his office, like, in search of this material that he's, you know, potentially, you know, smuggled out. That was the real reason they were doing right. it. Right. And they, mm-hmm. this was before the documentary came out. This was the day after they filmed it, you know. So they must have heard him, like, on a phone or something. <sighs> oh
3: my god, you guys, I just realized something.
1: What? We just, we okay. just
3: developed... We just developed the, uh, Occam's Lazar, uh, thing. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's the episode
1: title. Yeah.
3: Shit.
1: Occam's Lazar. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Very
3: good. <laughs> Yay. I can do that too sometimes.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> Every once in a while. Get one. Oh my god. All right.
3: Oh gosh. gosh. Well, check it out. But well, thanks for anyway. thanks for you know recording so long with me guys. Do you yeah. did you want to have a closing thought Jimmy or
2: uh, what you I I saying? don't know. I'm just excited about aliens, I think. <laughs> this new technology, yeah. you know, and what it what it means. Yeah. Uh, Cuz you know, we've known like like you said like the odds of Extremely of exciting. aliens existing is very high because of, you know, just the odds of intelligent life and not how many stars are out there and but before this onset of like alien phenomena was you know the the whole idea of the great filter you know that was like a a big discussion of like why haven't we heard from aliens so now it's that that would change too it's like we have and not only yeah have we heard they're here intergalactic travel is possible because we don't you know there's something beyond light speed limitations Mm -hmm. that speed limit that kind of galactic speed limit no longer exists And now we can travel across the universe, potentially, you know, like the way they do. Like, that's kind of what this Mm -hmm. implies, like this, the kind of Star Wars style, like, light speed travel. Like, that's kind of on the table now, you know? That's cool. I'm really really excited about that. I think that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, I was surprised that the um, gray filter didn't come up. I thought that would have come up at some point in this discussion, but if there are... Intelligent uh, interstellar species. That means basically that our self-destruction isn't necessarily inevitable.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: That—that's the implication, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the, one of the yeah best implications. You forget about. I forgot about that one. That like, well, no, since we haven't seen anybody yet, that means that everybody destroys themselves around this time. <laughs> I was like, damn, that fucking sucks. <laughs> it's sad. <laughs> yeah.
2: Anyway, it's way better. I know it's been a long one. I don't want to keep you guys up any longer. Maybe some Angels and Airwaves too.
1: Angels and Airwaves, yeah. Damn, I miss Angels and Airwaves. I haven't heard heard that in a long time. Yeah, that was good. I just can't breathe. I can't nothing. He with
2: me, come on. you guess <laughs> that I didn't know what you And I can't remember the the full extent of what he claimed about aliens and like their interactions and everything, like the details of it. I kinda wanna go back and revisit
0: some of that.
1: That's and that's not to say that's not to say that what they leaked was fabricated, but it's like why now? Why now? Why uh, do you think they've they
0: addressed it? Why do you think that they have uh, addressed the fact that they're studying these things? Why not just continue denying it?
4: Oh, uh, not too long ago, as I mentioned, this would have been a joke, but now you've got a president, former president, director of national intelligence, Ratcliffe. We have former director of CIA, John Brennan, former director of CIA, Woolsey. All of them have come forward. and Acknowledging this. What changed that now we have former President Obama saying, serious now, there are things that we cannot
0: explain? Why do you think that they have? address the fact they're studying these things. Why not just continue denying it?
12: I think they were forced to, uh, and uh, some props to Tom DeLong. I know you guys had a pretty spirited conversation when he was here, but he created an organization. It.
6: <laughs> yes, I agree, one-clapper. This is massive news that could shatter our entire conception of the universe and our place in it, which is why I'm covering it in minute 23 of my show right after the bullseeman story.
12: Um, Lou Elizondo, who ran that program, came forward and brought with him those videos. I saw them two days after uh, Lou Elizondo stepped on a stage with Tom and said, I was in charge of the program. He and Chris Mellon have been sort of the engineers of getting that story into the New York Times. That changed everything. As I said, the last two and a half years, um, everything has turned on its head.
14: How did that... Start? How, how did you get anyone to take your call? Uh, what, what was the first time? Yeah, I did crank
6: calls at first. Had yeah, yeah. Crank calls. <laughs> oh, um, sure, sure. You Tom. just call
14: up, say you're a general, and they'll talk to you. <laughs> um,
6: no, I. Uh, because I mean, they hear from a lot of citizens who have questions, but usually they just don't talk to them. They just ignore them. Somehow, you were able to not not only get people on the phone, but get people on the record and start really getting stuff out to the public that had never been available before. And that's a is that just due to your sheer tenacity? It really kind of was
14: uh, I basically the very beginning of it I was playing a lot of very important people off each
12: other. The New York Times covers the story the result is other media covered as well. They've been ignoring it forever and 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 that allowed people who keep these secrets. That pressure meant that people in Congress started asking questions.
14: They all came together because I created a vehicle that has three divisions entertainment science and aerospace and the whole goal of this is to create um, a vehicle for the disclosure of the UFO phenomenon and various other things because, you know. So your goal is
10: to eventually get this information
14: out there. Well,
12: we've already been doing it. Two days after the story came out, I interviewed Senator Harry Reid, who was the one who got the money to create that program that became ATIP. And he said his phone had been ringing off the hook from other members of Congress who are now suddenly interested. I didn't know there was a program they're telling him. How do we learn more about this? Um, we're the ones that set up uh,
14: the mechanism that you've been reading about where it says, you know, a formal reporting process of UFOs within the Navy, and the Navy come out, came out and admitted that UFOs were real. That's all us.
8: He, he started, uh, the what is it called? The, the, to, the, to the Stars Academy or something? Like, why, why Tom DeLonge of all the people, you know?
0: <laughs> Does Tom talk about UFOs all the time? Well, you know he's not in the band no yeah, more. Yeah, I know. You know?
13: But, but did he always do that? He always did. We really? used to get loaded and just look out the bus window. for a while. <laughs> And I used to do it with him as like, I don't know, it's kind of a bonding experience. It's like, yeah. if you wanted to show me bow and arrows, whatever, right. and we're on tour together. Of Fuck course, it. I'd sit yeah. there and like, you know, check it out. So with Tom, that was his thing. Like, fucking, let's get high and look for UFOs. <laughs> so we would, you know, we just sit there and like stare out the bus window, look <laughs> at UFOs but nothing has changed he's still the other day i talked to him he's like i'm on the way to the fucking white house bro (laughs) (laughs) and i don't ask any questions i'd be like as you should be you know whatever like let's fucking go as
0: you should be yeah what a great response yeah good luck with that yep wow that's crazy yeah he was a trip man having a conversation with him was very strange because part of me was like, is this guy putting me on? Like, what is happening He's here? He's dead ass. Dead He's
1: ass. dead ass. Seemed like it.
0: And we would look yeah. at these videos that were so clearly horseshit, And he would be like, amazing, right? And I'd be like, what? Like, you think that that's an actual UFO? Like, that is the fakest fucking video I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. But he didn't see that at all.
6: The Navy was forced to address the footage after it was released by a UFO investigative group called... To the Stars Academy of Arts and Science, which was founded by former Blink-182 guitarist Tom DeLonge.
0: Boy, you gotta, I mean, I absolutely believe there could be intelligent life out there, but I haven't seen a fucking single thing that makes me think that anybody's got a picture or a video.
13: Yeah, I I feel like it could could be real, I I believe, but I'm not, I can't fucking, I'm not dedicating my life to search for it you know yeah and i i give it to him, man to like honestly to walk away from your fucking very successful band to go do that shit like i have nothing but respect for his passion yeah but it's like i couldn't do that
0: that's insane yeah it's like
13: that just it really shows like he's you know He's
6: very, very passionate about it. You are the co-founder and president of the To The Stars Academy of Arts and Science. And I think people uh, have a vague understanding of what it is you've been doing over the past few years. But just talk for a moment, brag for a moment about how you really kind of have changed this conversation. I mean, the work that you have been doing, much of which has been unheralded, has really revealed things that were unknown to the public before, and you should be very proud of that.
14: Yeah, you know, I am. I, I brought out the first three 3D classified videos of UFOs ever. Uh, they were given to me to the Stars Academy, brought them out. I assembled a team of very, very high-ranking government officials from the CIA, Department of Defense, um, other three-letter agencies and so on. Um, one of the heads of the Skunk Works, Lockheed Martin, um, think, you know, Skunk Works built Area 51, you know, for the U-2 spy plane back in the day. So these are very, very, uh, you know, kind of an elite team. of.
7: So what's been just going on over the last couple of months for you?
14: Well, the big news was the Senate Intelligence, uh, the
7: Select Committee on Intelligence released um, language for... Um, Basically, uh, grabbing all the information and, and having them be accountable up through a, an interagency task force that, that reports directly to the U.S. Senate um, Intelligence Committee. So that's a big deal. That's something that me and my team did at our company to the stars. And that's, you know, this is, these are the steps that you, you take to get to
14: disclosure. Much bigger than
6: Tom, that. Tom, why is yeah. there st- stigma because the, on even the topic of ufology even though there's science involved and that's what you're i mean you're not dealing with this from a fantasy perspective no. you're dealing from a facts perspective yet still people hear tom DeLong and ufo or anybody in ufo sure. and they think tinfoil hats why
14: because what happened was is when we found out what was going on after world war ii uh, kind of during world war ii Um, it scared the hell out of everybody involved and so what they did was they said we got to figure out what this subject is what this topic is we got to figure out what it is who it is what they're doing all that kind of stuff and we need to do it in crazy secrecy because this is really, really, really advanced and stuff. And what was
10: the really, really advanced stuff?
14: Well, the machinery, you know. Which the, is what the, the the crafts itself. Aircrafts. The, well, they're not even really air; they're they're transmedium. You know, so you have this sphere.
10: Okay, now I'm just gonna say it's this point right here where everybody goes, "Tom's crazy."
14: Yeah. Well, you know what I mean, like. Th- yeah. Not me. Just, well, I, let me, no, I'm just saying it feels <laughs> like hanging in everywhere. Oh, like
12: I have no idea. Well, let
14: me let me explain why <laughs> okay. why it's the. tenfold hat thing is so what they did was is the government slipped operatives you know over decades into these ufo ufo groups and into the news and just made everyone think it was dumb but it was for good reason because they didn't want people to understand it was real they didn't want people freaking out they didn't want congress freaking out And, and eventually what that would have done is exposed what they were trying to do, which was really a crash course on understanding what this was. What the hell was it? You know, so just keep everyone thinking it's stupid. That way it doesn't boil up before they're ready to talk. Do you Remember like they thought I was
7: like, I lost time cause I stopped playing and blink and then like went chasing um, spaceships. But if you look at the
14: stuff that came
7: out, with the Senate last week, uh, then you
14: understand why. <laughs> like, I'm doing what I'm doing. And um, so we've been bringing the people from the various departments in the Pentagon over to Congress for the first time in 70 years. There are a few senators that knew about this. If you watched our show on the History Channel, the last episode, Harry Reid, majority leader of the Senate, um, ran the program that Lou. Uh, was the program director who now works for me, but Lou was on your show. Mm -hmm. Um, Harry Reid was on the show and he was talking about, but there's only a couple senators that knew. So we set up the situation to where they can all get briefed and it's been happening like wildfire. Uh,
7: You know, I kind of thought like with the release of, you know, or the confirmation from the DOD and the Pentagon of aliens, you know, and UFOs, it, it just seemed like people didn't really freak out that much. You know? No, I know it's, I think we've all been prepared. We all suspected it. I think the people that freak out out Are the ones that stop, take a deep breath and kind of going, okay, you know, like what's who's inside those things or who sent those things or what are those things and what you know that's 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 when people tend to have a little bit of a, of a gut check because you know that that's what the government's been afraid of is when people will literally digest the fact that there are things here that are so advanced technologically um, that there's not much we can do about it, you know, but. Uh,
14: so what's happening slowly is the stigma's going off. People are starting to realize, oh my God, this is real. And it's not just people in urban areas that see this stuff. It is pilots and generals and astronauts and everything else. And and uh, and it's not just a twenty incidents. It's thousands and thousands of incidents. Now, Why aren't would, there better pictures, Tom? There of crafts? are. Uh, there are, but a lot of them are classified for various reasons too. It's funny the the UFO in a video isn't classified, but where they caught the photo might be you know on what system might be so that's the problem it's like okay we weren't supposed to be over russia or something you know it's like okay or the camera is like so crazy good that we don't want anyone to know we can take pictures like that so it's things like that that make it difficult
5: so would you say the one of the main reasons that the government wanted it to you know people there to be a stigma
4: so long ago and for just little itty bitty things to be leaking out now is because it would terrify people and is it a matter of just sovereignty
14: yeah it's uh, it would terrify people what um, would ter- terrify can you- um, i think it's the the idea that you know there's there's something here yeah
10: humans aren't
2: the elite beings it, there's, it, there's something, something else. here
14: that's potentially millions of years more advanced than us and it can do things that we can barely even fathom I'm uh, d- so happy right now. I'm so me- stoked. And what that means is that humans may not be alone or in charge. And we're you know? not that
3: important, which we're freaks not. people out.
14: Yeah, but that also is like one of my big pitches to the generals I first started meeting with. I was just like, you know, you guys are out fighting all these wars based on belief systems. But if you if you really attack the core issue, we might start coming together as a planet. And, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what my hope is with all this stuff. So a, a subject like this
7: provides an enormous amount of hope because it lets us know that we're actually all connected, that we're all related, that, you know, that maybe things that have happened and world events that have happened um, that have gotten us to this point might not be as they see might've been for different reasons. And I think that'll eventually bring us together and identify, like, how do we take care of ourselves? How do we take care of our planet? You know, and what are the technologies that will really propel us past this, this kind of barrier that, that we're stuck against We keep hitting the wall pollution and, Producing too many products, and you know, too materialistic, and too weirded out with belief systems, and fighting wars over arguments that has been going on for thousands of years, over things people just don't know. You know, so um, I'm kind of thinking that this this confirmation is uh, could not come soon enough.
6: And let's see them aliens, as it said. <laughs> dem, let's see them aliens. Dem dem. aliens. <laughs> sure. You would be against that, and you would. Pro- I, my guess is, uh, r- advise people that the Air Force would take that, that seriously if people tried to get on the. Base. Oh my God, they would take it seriously. I, this is, you know, uh, I I totally
14: advise people against it for a variety of reasons. Number one, it's not going to change anything. Number two, people can get hurt, you know. And number three, there's really good reasons for things being secret. And I used to think that it was because we couldn't handle it, or I used to think because. The You know these guys want power and it's about oil money it's all these stupid conspirators it's none of those things it's scary you know and uh you have a bunch of guys that do not sleep at night that are dealing with this stuff so we can go to soccer games and all that the real way to get change uh is is dealing with with a corporate issue it's a bureaucratic issue Mm -hmm. the way things are kept secret are mechanisms that are there since world war ii for really good reason so what we need to do is change the law and the law would pry it pry the mechanism loose of how it's secret. Cause right now, I mean, there's things, there's they have these things called skiffs that are like compartmented rooms of the way they're built. They're certified so no one can eavesdrop. It's for top secret com- communication, you know, a, a conference room table where no one can listen, right? Yeah. Anything that's said in that room is owned by the room. So if you go into that room and you say something about this subject, that little moment can never leave that room or you'll go to prison. That has nothing to do with UFOs hmm. or ISIS. It's just the way security law works. So if they found a bunch of stuff out, talked about it in that room, unless there's a law, we can't pry that conversation out of that room. That's just but, the way, it's like, that, that's kind of an, an example. Agree. A
6: law that was made
14: that had
10: really nothing to do with what you're talking exactly. about. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But the way you we're... also
6: agree, though, that the government has the right to protect state secrets. Oh, too. my that God. The public, we yeah. don't, as the public, we don't, we're not owed explanations on things that we shouldn't know.
14: N- not at all. Yeah, we we have, we're just ignorant to how it works and why it works that way. And now that I, I'm, you know, I'm playing in these waters, I'm like, I'm consistently wowed by what they have to deal with and how what the stakes are that that's big deal like I I I remember when I was doing this early on and I was just so gung-ho about getting this stuff out whatever and and I know I I got uh I I gotta be a little careful with some of this but I got I got brought into something and they sat me down they said um you know first it was like we need to know who the f you are you know, we need to know who the f you're talking to. It was crazy. It was like two days of hardcore questioning. And you're now, lucky you
6: didn't end up in Guantanamo. I, I
14: was I was pretty scared to be honest. And and I remember I talked my way out of this. And they said, well, let me just give you an idea of the stakes of what you're playing with. You know, and something was said to me, and I didn't sleep for like three nights. I was like, oh my god, I just you just don't have any idea as a civilian the enormity of these things. And so we make up these That stores. sounds very threatening. Well. Like, some, like something
10: could happen if aliens who are here wanted something to happen. It could, well, and it would be bad for all
14: of us? You know, whatever these things are, you know, they're moving, I mean, we have a, a Top Gun, um, there's a There's two Top, there's a Top Gun graduates pilots and they graduate radar operators. Mm-hmm. On our show, uh, on the History Channel, one of the guys was a Top Gun graduate. He controlled the entire airspace around the USS Nimitz when one of these videos that we brought out. Um, and he was watching over a four day period, 100 of these craft came in from space over a four day period, Wow. 100. And they went from 80,000 feet to sea level in 0.78 seconds, okay. like, boom. So what kind of tech, I mean, you're dealing with technologies that are so advanced, you know, the parent government can evolve, you know, the generation beyond us can evolve, you know, cause the
7: younger generation, they won't stand for it anymore. And that's where the change comes, you know, in the sixties is the same thing. And, um. You know, it's exciting to have change that pulls people together. We all want it so bad. Some people don't, but hopefully, we'll be uh, kicking them by the ass out of, out of town. You know, Um yeah. we're done. We're that. done. We're yeah. all. I, everyone's so done with hate and racism and war and poverty. And will we- there
6: be a time in our lifetime, Tom, where it will be publicly accepted and acknowledged that they are here? It's coming. So that's what we've been doing. So to the stars we
14: have been specifically involved in three things, which is getting ready to bring out the stories, um, studying it with the public and really big, you know, AI database um, algorithms and all this different stuff. And then the third thing is building the technology. So we're active in all three of those.
10: So you're saying it's coming. So five, 10
14: years, 15, 20 years, 20, 30 years? I think within the next three to five years, you're going to start hearing rumblings of hearings. I don't and, want okay but and, and,
10: something more substantial than rumblings of hearings no 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 because
14: this is a big deal you gonna hear so,
6: whispers of rumors
14: and rumblings uh, of no, hearings kevin I'm, come on think, we're almost there i think you'll start to hear the pressure building to have congressional hearings oh on i this. see okay.
7: so it seems like a lot of kind of progress is is being made in that direction
14: yeah um there
7: is and there's a lot of uh, things that are happening even behind the scenes that we can't talk about the
6: time (laughs) um people are behind you on this uh, journey i know that we all we all laughed when you left blake and went off to explore the stars but something is coming out of it man and it's very cool and i hope you continue to push well thank you sir on behalf of all of us i do
14: have
10: one more question is it possible you're crazy um like and then you're meeting with people they go yeah you're gonna be a
14: four-star general just put that on (laughs) yeah you know you would think but it's not. I, knew when I jumped into this, uh, I couldn't even tell the guys in Blink. So I remember they got really upset with me because I couldn't do all the things they wanted to do, but I was already being brought in to all this stuff. Now it's coming out and people are going, Oh my gosh, he's not, he's not really crazy. This is scary. And this is not science fiction. The UFO subject is very, very, very real. I know this with direct experience with the people I work with, what I work on at my company. Um, and it's starting to come out, and I th- give it a few years, and I think it's it's going to be a, even a much bigger deal than it is. But I appreciate all you guys right. Let me talk about it. Of Thank course, it, man, yeah. we've been looking
6: forward to it.
2: Oh my god! Yeah. Anyway, all right, all right, so, so cool. Let's huge aliens, cool discussion. I could talk about this for a long longer still, and we've been going forever. No, that was a good. Yeah, that Kind good of went too. nice yeah. and full yeah. circle. We we could uh we could revisit it in the future. We can circle back. I think we should.